0: Good morning. Welcome to worship. We sing to the risen King today. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's stand and worship together.
1: Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son.
0: Savior, with our hand clap of praise this morning. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Welcome to worship, iCampus viewers. Those of you that are here with us in the sanctuary, we're so glad that you are here. If this is your first time with us, Thomas reminded us in our video, welcome to be sure and fill out that online connection card so that we might get to know you a little bit better. If you are visiting with us today and this is your first time, we are so glad that you are here. Would you do us a little bit of a favor at the close of our service? Would you meet our pastor? Out in the foyer at the end of our service, we have a gift we want to give you. It is a copy of his book, The Privilege of Worship. And he wants to just give you a fist bump or hug your neck or something, whatever error we're in. Amen? So just thankful that you are here. Today, the doxology of the Lord's Prayer is where we end this series that Pastor Stewart's been in for the last several weeks. And it is a great day of worship. And so thankful that you are here. It is also a very special day in the lives of our seniors. Zach Fleming, our youth pastor, comes to share with us now.
2: Good morning. This morning we would like to recognize our 2020 high school graduates. As most of you know, we typically do this service the same week that our graduates, or our seniors, graduate. Uh, But for some unforeseen reasons originally, we are doing this a little bit differently this year. Nonetheless, we are so proud of them and their accomplishments. And so we would like to celebrate them this morning. After I finish reading each graduate's bio, you are more than welcome to applaud. You do not have to wait until the end. Um, we want them to feel so loved by their church family this morning. So first step, Kristen Blakewood. Kristen is the daughter of Brian and Vicki Blakewood and a graduate of Pineville High School. During her high school career, Kristen was a two-year member of the Red Hot Dixie Dancers and a four-year member of student council and theater departments. She was also involved in the National Honor Society, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Anchor Club, Link Crew, Key Club, Cross Country, and Geek Squad. Some of Kristen's notable achievements were lettering and dance line, theater, and academics, maintaining honor roll all four years, and being chosen chosen as a member of the 2019 Homecoming Court, as well as a senior class favorite. She will graduate with, or she has graduated, excuse me, with a 4.0 GPA. Kristen will be attending the University of Louisiana at Lafayette in the fall, with plans to major in nursing. Kristen Blakewood. (laughs) Caleb Morgan. Caleb is the son of Jamie Morgan and Donna Gentry and a graduate of Pineville High School. Growing up, Caleb was was very active in Red River football and Dixie Youth Baseball through junior high. After recovering from a serious leg injury in ninth grade, Caleb couldn't be as active in sports but he did enjoy being a member of the Key Club, as well as participating in football pep rallies and attending several baseball, basketball, and football games. In his free time, Caleb enjoys fishing, hunting, and playing golf, but mostly spending time with friends. Caleb plans to attend ITI Technical College in Baton Rouge to major in electrical technology. Caleb Morgan. (laughs) Hannah Peppers. Hannah is the daughter of Joshua Peppers and a graduate of Pineville High School. During her high school career, Hannah spent four years in the Pineville High Rebel Band, three of which were served as an officer. She was also an active participant in the French Club, National Honor Society, and Pineville Winter Guard. Hannah will be attending Northwestern State University in the fall to major in psychology with plans to pursue child counseling in the future. Hannah Peppers. Cody Roller. Cody is the son of Chris and April Roller and a graduate of Pineville High School. Throughout high school he was a member of Drumline as well as a founding member of the Rebel Robotics Club which placed second at state competition this year. Alongside his school involvement, Cody also served in many community service roles including Dixie Youth Baseball and National Honor Society as well as serving First Baptist Church in Vacation Bible School, Upward Basketball and on the Praise Team as a drummer and a percussionist. Some of Cody's achievements include maintaining a 4.13 GPA and being awarded the Outstanding Student Scholarship. Cody will be attending Louisiana Tech University in the fall as an honors program participant with plans to major in cyber engineering. Cody Roller. Monica Salinas. Monica is the daughter of Joe and Leanne Salinas and a graduate of Northwood High School. During her high school career, she earned many notable achievements including district honorable mention in softball and 2019-2020 student of the year. She also ranked number three in her class and earned scholarships to LSUA. Monica will be attending Louisiana State University at Alexandria in the fall to major in nursing. Monica Salinas. <laughs> Delaney Summers. Delaney is the daughter of Steven and Jill Summers and a graduate of Pineville High School. During her high school career, she was a member of Buddy Club, Key Club, Anchor Club, and Student Council. She was also a four-year member of the theater department. Some of her achievements include receiving a gold on the work keys test, maintaining a 3.7 GPA, and receiving an IBC and SP2 credential. Delaney will be attending Louisiana State University at Alexandria in the fall to major in biology in order to pursue a career in dentistry. Delaney Summers. Could we applaud our seniors one more time? Would you pray with me? Father God, this is a a long uh, day coming. Father, we have looked forward to this day for a long time. Father, I'm so grateful for these students, Father, for the, the short time I've been able to spend with them. I'm so grateful to know that you are in control even during a, a crazy senior year, even during pandemic, even during uh, college plans and applications and all of the craziness that comes with this time of life. But Lord, I'm excited to be able to celebrate them uh, and I'm excited to be confident knowing that you have great plans for them. And I pray that they rest in that. I pray that they would feel loved and celebrated, Father, and most of all, they would, pr- they would feel uh, at peace with where you have them and where you are, uh, are sending them, Father, knowing that you have gone before them. Be glorified in their lives, in their, in their ministries in the future, in their careers, Father. And I pray that we get to be a part of that somehow. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: May we all be reminded today that it is the power of God through Jesus today. Jesus, only Jesus. It's the only thing that matters today. Would you worship with us?
1: Who has the power to raise the dead? Who can save us from our sin? He is our hope, our righteousness. Jesus, only Jesus. Who can make the Yeah.
0: it is in that powerful and majestic name that we lift your praise today. We're grateful to be in your presence. Holy Father, we are grateful that you are the God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, and strong. And we claim that victory today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For
3: waiting waiting is hard isn't it we've been waiting for a long time but we wait in life please have a seat in our waiting room please wait in your car please wait your turn please hold for the next available assistant Please take this buzzer and wait. We'll get back with you. We'll let you know. Don't call us. We'll call you. <laughs> Not many of us like to wait, do we? Hour after hour or day after day or even week after week or even month after month, sometimes even year after year, waiting, hoping, expecting. I called this series on the Lord's Prayer, Praying Through the Dots, because we were waiting when it began. And though some things have changed, we're still waiting. We've been waiting for months, and we're still waiting some more. In fact, it seems like what we're waiting for keeps being pushed farther out into the future. I'm not sure what has to happen for all of this to end, so we're just waiting What do we do while we wait? Well, we do the only thing we can do, and that is pray. That's why we've been learning to pray through the dots. Today we conclude this series on the Lord's Prayer, and I hope that you've gotten half as much out of this series as I have. I've been both encouraged and instructed in prayer, as well as motivated to do more of it and to believe more from it. If you've been following along in Matthew 6 in the scripture, Matthew 6 beginning at verse 9, going down to verse 13, we also talked about verses 14 and 15. If you're looking there today you might think, what's left Stuart? You finished up in verse 13 week before last, so where are we going today? And and I did finish it up. But in your text there is a footnote. It drops you down to the bottom where there is a little bit more. And that little bit more is usually included when we quote this prayer. It's how the song just ended, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now these words are known as the doxology of the Lord's Prayer. A doxology is a statement of praise to God, The words are placed in a footnote, though, because the earliest manuscripts of Matthew's, go- Matthew's gospel do not have them. You see, in textual studies, when we're looking at manuscripts, the, or- the original manuscript is most likely going to be more like the earlier manuscript that we have and the briefer manuscripts that we have. And so, many years ago, Scholars and biblical editors dropped these words into the footnote because both internal evidence and external evidence suggests that the doxology was neither an original conclusion in the model prayer by Jesus, nor was it an original part of Matthew's gospel. So where did it come from then? Well, the doxology seems to have been developed and have been being used in the early church in corporate worship when they used this prayer. And it likely found its way into scripture inadvertently. Possibly someone wrote this doxology in the margin of a copy of scripture. And then as you know, in the days before the printing press, all copies of scripture had to be made by hand. And so at some point, someone copied that marginal note into the text and then you had a variant text stream That then was multiplied through the years to come. And in later years, as textual critics looked at manuscripts, they searched back to where, oh look, this wasn't in the original manuscript. So no scholar today thinks that Jesus said this or that even Matthew wrote it. However, just because Jesus didn't speak these words does not mean that we shouldn't use them. Because as one scholar wrote, this doxology doxology should not be in the Bible, but it may well be in our prayers. If we think that our Lord gave us a pattern rather than a form, we are quite justified in extending the pattern by any additions which harmonize with His Spirit. Another pastor wrote, although they may not have been in the original account, the words are perfectly fitting in this passage and express truths that are thoroughly scriptural. So today, I'm preaching from a part of the Bible I've never preached from before, the footnotes. In my Bible, it's footnote A off of verse 13. And that's largely because a message series on this prayer seems incomplete without this doxology, which is such a wonderful wrap-up to this prayer, and it connects us back to the prayer. So let's say this doxology together, we'll use yours instead of thine. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Like the prayer itself, the benediction or the doxology easily rolls off the tip of our tongues. Also like the prayer, though, we can rattle off the doxology without considering the great depths to which it could take us. For one, the doxology connects us all the way back to the Old Testament. The words are actually an echo of 1 Chronicles 29, verse 11, when King David offered a prayer after the people brought all of the offerings for the construction of the temple. In 1 Chronicles 29, 11, David prays, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. You know, we should be encouraged that God has not given us a Bible that is just a random assembly of stories and sayings. Rather, the Bible is a carefully unified work that looks both forward and backwards. And though it was written by some 40 men of various occupations in three different languages over some 1,500 years during seven civilizations and on two different continents, the Bible is completely unified because technically it only had one author and that was... God himself, who inspired those writers and ultimately brought their writings into the canon of Scripture. Therefore, we focus on the word forever in the doxology first. The same God to whom David prayed in First Chronicles is the same God these disciples learned to pray to in the New Testament. And it's the same God we pray to today. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have a hard time with the concept of forever, though. In our day, nothing lasts forever. Um, A few years ago, we bought uh, our oldest son, Zach, a Kindle Fire. And as the years have gone, Rebecca has... uh, Added apps and deleted apps, depending on what Zach was into at the time. Most frequently, she's had to delete apps to make room for new apps until finally we got down to just two apps because that's all there was room for. Well, this week, Zach went to upload his favorite app, and the Kindle said, Sonny, I don't think I can do that. It's just gotten old probably gonna die because nothing lasts forever, especially not technology. Our lives don't last forever though. We live between two dates, our birth date and our death date. In fact, you get a certificate for your first and last achievement in life. It's a certificate of passive participation. Here's your birth certificate. Here's your
2: death certificate.
3: Nothing lasts forever. But this doxology reminds us that God, however, is eternal. Psalm 48, 14 says, For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Forever. Would you say that word with me? Forever. Forever. Forever's not just a very long time because forever isn't even in time. It's beyond time. And that's where God is. Everything about him is forever. Now, what does that mean for us? Well, it means that this doxology gives us three reminders as we go through life that helps us deal with life and look beyond this life. The first reminder is that God's kingdom is foremost forever forever. Yours is the kingdom forever. The emperor Frederick III of Austria had five letters painted on his belongings and his buildings. They were A, E, I, O, and U. Now, he wasn't just a, a fan of vowels and practicing his vowel sounds. He was using the abbreviations of a Latin phrase that meant Austria will endure Now, certainly you can visit Austria today, but there's coming a day when Austria will be no more. Because kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but there is one kingdom that will last forever, and that is the kingdom of God. When you pray your kingdom come, you're asking for God's rule to come in you, around you, through you, and beyond you. We want his kingdom. We, want, we don't want our kingdom. We don't want someone else's kingdom. We want God's kingdom. So we submit to his reign in our lives. Now, of course, we really can't do anything less than submit to his kingdom because his kingdom is foremost. And no matter what anyone else may think or even you may think, God reigns, and he has authority over everything. He doesn't reign from heaven removed and disconnected from us. He reigns on earth just as He does in heaven in a personal, a real, and an active way. God is involved because His kingdom is not an abstract idea out there somewhere. In fact, His kingdom is not even a place. His kingdom has a face. You see, God's kingdom is manifested in Jesus Christ and his rule in our lives. Jesus calls all of those who would follow him to surrender their lives to his kingly rule and to participate in his kingdom by obeying his teaching. Those who submit to Jesus' lordship become citizens of the kingdom of God. Therefore, they receive kingdom protection, they receive kingdom provision, and kingdom purpose. Living under God's kingdom rule brings about God's kingdom blessing. In the kingdom of God, we find the heart of God and our reason for being here. When you find the reason for being here, you find your life. God's kingdom is a kingdom of life. As your eternal father, God loves you more than you can imagine. When his indescribable love for you unites with his unrivaled authority, look out. Because God has the authority to assist you beyond life's ability to defeat you. That's because he himself is beyond and above anything we experience here. God's kingdom is foremost forever The second reminder is this. God's purpose is uttermost forever. Yours is the power forever. We may be more familiar with power than any generation before us, especially when it comes to electrical power. I mean, you think a virus shuts things down, just let the electricity go out. I mean, we can't do anything. Let your phone battery die. And the world comes to an end. When those things happen, we are powerless. We can do nothing. How many of you have had that happen in your office where your server goes out and you're like, I can read a book. (laughs) Power shuts things down. So how many of you are glad that God's power is forever? God's power doesn't go out. It can't even get low. There's never a low battery light. Power is defined as the ability, strength, and capacity to do something. Well, God has all strength, all capacity, and all ability to do anything. And we need to remember His power is available to anyone who believes. Our tendency, though is to respond to everything in our own power instead of trusting God to respond in his power. That's why we try to worry something to change. That's why we try to work harder to make something happen. Instead of trying to respond with God's power, we try to do it in our own power. And you know what God says to that? What in the world do you think you're doing? You can't worry that forward. You can't work harder and make it happen. You see, the Bible says that when we are weak, he is strong. When we're limited, he is limitless. When we are hopeless, he is hopeful. When we're falling to pieces, he is full of peace. God's power is, to available, is available to you even when you are powerless. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul mentions how grateful he is for their financial support. Nevertheless, he says, you know what? I, I've learned to be content because, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God Give strength to any of his followers in any way they need. His power is forever. Please never forget God's power. Because Job did. Have you ever read through Job? And, I mean, Job had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day times 10. And then his f- friends came along and wouldn't shut up and gave him a lot of bad advice. And Job gets kind of frustrated. And then God shows up. And God addresses Job with just a whole bunch of questions that remind Job that God is powerful. Listen to this, Job 38, 4 through 13. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footing setter? Who laid the cornerstone? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set its doors in place? And and it goes on and on and on. And, And you can just feel like God is just unleashing these questions on Job. And Job's just like, I don't know the answer. Because... God's the one that's got the power. God continued with Job, but you get the idea. God is saying, I have the power. I always have. I always will. His is the power forever. The third reminder. God's glory is utmost forever. When we glorify someone, we attempt to Change other people's opinion of them. So, for example, if I were to invite an unknown guest to preach here one Sunday, I would glorify them for you so that you would change your opinion about them. Instead of showing up to church and going, oh, great, we don't have the real preacher today? Instead, I would say, oh, this person's wonderful. You'll, you'll never hear anything like this. You need to listen. And if he then comes up and does his job right... Then you'll leave here today and, and and you would go to lunch and you'd say, "Man, I hope Stuart never comes back. That guy was awesome." <laughs> but then the next week when you got the regular guy back, you'd probably forget all about that guest preacher, or maybe if you heard him preach again, you might say, "You know what? Well, he wasn't all that great. He's only got three sugar stick sermons. No wonder he's good. And you know, you just you, your, your glorifying of him would go down a bit. But you see, God's glory never changes. His is utmost forever because he is worthy of all praise, honor, and distinction forever. He is glorious. The more you get to know him, the more glorious he gets. The more life you live with him, the more glorious he gets. God's glory was manifested throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, God manifested his glory at particular events, such as the burning bush, bush with Moses or the pillar of fire with the Israelites or at the uh, anointing and, and filling of the temple with King Solomon. But in the New Testament, we find that God is glorified through his Son. John 1.14 says he was the glory of the one and only And so we see that when Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding feast in Canaan, we are told that this miracle manifested his glory. When he raised Lazarus from the dead, it was intended, quote, for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified in it. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when his face, his hair, and even his clothes uh, radiated with heavenly splendor that caused his disciples to just be thrown back, it was a display of his holiness and his glory. Glory like that gets your attention. And that same glory is here today. It's manifested every time you act or react in a godly manner instead of an ungodly manner. That glory is manifested each time you worship with abandon. That glory is manifested each time you share your faith. That glory is manifested each time you speak the truth in love. Wherever God's people go, God's glory goes. And therefore, wherever God's people are, His glory shines. One of the choruses we sang when I was growing up wrote this truth upon my heart as a child and a a teen. And and you know it. Because the chorus simply prayed, In my life, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified in my life. Today can we sing that together? In my life Lord be glorified be glorified in my life Lord be glorified today. And you remember when we would sing that chorus, we would sing in my church, Lord, or in our school, Lord, or wherever you were. And the idea was to remember that God was to be glorified everywhere through us. Because wherever God's people goes, God's glory goes. Whatever I do, whatever I say, wherever I go, God be glorified. Our lives are meant to glorify God. Our church is meant to glorify God. To fail to glorify God with your life is to fail in life. That's our purpose in life, is to bring glory to God. We want to glorify God because His glory is utmost forever. So we have the foremost kingdom, the uttermost power, the utmost glory forever. Isn't it wonderful That just as the petitions of the prayer cover every possible need we could ever have, so the statements in the doxology remind you that everything you need and face in life is found in the Lord. This prayer begins and ends at the throne of the Father of heaven. When you come into the presence of the Father, you come into the presence of provision. He has everything you need. The confidence you need for that interview, the strength you need for that callback from the doctor's office, the courage you need to step out in faithful obedience, the strength you need to move forward after the loss of a loved one, the wisdom you need to deal with that preteen mouth, whatever you need to face. Anything in life is with you in the Lord. Kingdom, power, glory, glory. Forever. You don't need to be afraid, defeated, concerned, worried, or frustrated because His kingdom will come, His power will triumph, and His glory will shine. Those three important reminders are there for us. There's one more word in the prayer, at least the footnote of the prayer. In fact, it's the last word of the prayer. It's the last word of every prayer. Amen. Amen is more than a theological period. It's a declaration of faith. And most of us know that uh, the word means, so be it. But you know what? It also means, so will it be. Alexander McLaren says this, I love this. It is not only the last breathing of desire, but also the expression, listen, of assured expectancy and confidence. Not merely be it so, but confident expression of assurance that it will be so. You see, amen is the follow-through of prayer. In sports, you follow through, right, by keeping the form of the shot or the throw or the swing Until whatever you're hitting or throwing or shooting or whatever reaches its intended target. A quarterback gets sacked, what's the first thing he does? He looks to see where that ball went. Because you keep your eye on the ball. Amen is like a follow-through to prayer. It's not period, the end, hey, what's for lunch? It's let's watch this happen. Amen keeps an eye on the prayer until it connects. As it says, Lord, I trust you completely. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We've journeyed through this prayer that has been boringly uttered mindlessly uttered by millions of people through the years. But I hope that we've learned that there's a lot of power behind the model of this prayer. And if you think about what you're praying, even when you pray it by rote, you're praying in power. Our Father, the relationship, who art in Above and beyond. Hallowed be your name. A name like no other name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth, even as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are in debt to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond to the challenges of this prayer. I don't know what the Lord may be speaking to you during this time. He may be calling you to raise your level of prayer life. He may be calling you to raise your level of commitment to move beyond complacency or casual Christianity. He may be helping you to see your need for Him as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never trusted Him, and you need to be saved today, repenting of your sins and calling upon His name. It may be that that the Lord is, is moving in your life in another way, but in this time of invitation, we want to help you to respond. So in a moment, I'm going to pray, and as I pray, we're going to prepare to sing a song of invitation, a song of prayer and praise to the Lord. And if there's a decision that you need to make in your life, I pray that as I pray, you would make that decision. And in a moment, we'll have our time of invitation as I sing, and I'd encourage you to to make that decision public or to come and to pray here at the altar, or it may be that if you're watching online, you'll fill out the decision card so that we can follow up with you this week. God wants to work in our lives. He wants for his kingdom to come. He wants for His power to be unleashed. He wants for His glory to shine. Will we say amen to that? Our Father, we are so grateful for the words of this prayer uttered so many years ago. Lord, repeated by billions of Christians for 2,000 years, this prayer has meant a great deal to many people it's printed on things it's displayed in homes Lord may it be more than just a, a thing outside of us but may it be a powerful prayer within us may the desires of this prayer be our desires may the triumphs of this prayer be our triumphs God as we strive to walk daily with you Help us to be obedient to your call upon our lives. And we ask God that you would do exceedingly beyond what we could ask or imagine as we do so. Guide us now. May we be obedient in this time of response. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and sing this song of invitation surrendering our lives to the Lord. Take my life. Let it be consecrated to thee. Take my Thank you for joining us today in worship, and I pray that the Lord will speak to you and use you throughout this week to show his glory. To the world, and we look forward to seeing people every week. Some of you have, are just back for the first time today, and we're glad that you're here. If you're our guest, we're also glad that you're here. We look forward to having you again sometime. We'd invite you to come on Wednesday night. We have prayer and praise at six o'clock and, and spread the word that if you're concerned about social distancing, we have plenty of room on Wednesday night to spread out, not be around anybody, but you could be at church and you could pray and and seek the Lord. And we have such powerful times on Wednesday nights and a very unique time of prayer. So I encourage you to join us. We're going to be closed in prayer today by Miss Karen LaFarge. Karen, if you go to the pulpit and lead us as we all stand for this closing prayer. Let's seek the Lord together this morning, asking him to be with us throughout the rest of this week.
4: Oh, Father in heaven, it has just been so exciting and so wonderful to be here in your presence, Lord, with your people. And Father, we have just felt a move of your spirit, Lord, and we thank you. For Lord, where would we be without you? If we didn't have you in our heart, Lord, we wouldn't be able to have the kingdom and the power and the glory that has been so wonderfully shared and preached all of these millennia, Lord and we thank you. And Father, we do declare that Jesus is Lord. And we are so grateful that that same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is within us. And because we can walk in your power, in your authority, in your love for others, that you give us kingdom power that we can be a true representation of you, Lord, to the people that you put in our sphere of influence, the people that you put in our pathway, and that may all that we say and all that we do bring honor and glory to you in the name that is above every name. Amen.